Hello, my name is Jess Lindley and this is Arthur's Heroes, the podcast from Arthur's Place, the magazine and social network for young adults with arthritis. You can find us at arthursplace.co.uk and follow Arthur's Place on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is supported by Novartis UK. We are grateful to Novartis for their support, but they have no influence over the content of the podcast. Many of us will know that the word determined can be a double-edged sword. In the last episode of Arthur's Heroes, I talked to Molly about her determination and how sometimes in people with chronic illnesses, determination can manifest itself as stubbornness and in some cases, an unwillingness to let anyone else help. And while that stubbornness is something that I'm sure many of us can relate to, determination is more often than not an overwhelmingly positive quality. We are all, as people with chronic illnesses, determined. Determined to get a diagnosis, determined not to let that define us. Determined to push through taking medication that we would prefer not to need, even when that involves needles and blood tests and other scary things. Determined, in spite of all of this, to find joy and hope in life on a regular basis. This week's Arthur's hero is Jack. Jack is the embodiment of positive determination. Jack determinedly fights for what he knows he needs, but more than that... He's determined to stay positive, as is only too clear from his blog, No Introductions Needed. Despite being diagnosed age 19 with ankylosing spondylitis, which ultimately forced him to give up competitive trampolining, Jack has found positivity ever since, through writing his own blog and an additional blog post for Arthur's Place, in which he discusses his journey on a medication trial which worked wonders. Although the COVID-19 pandemic caused Jack to have to fight for his medication, He remains determined to see the good in situations and to self-advocate as much as needed, including in the world of work. He was so determined not to give up on his goals that he has circumnavigated challenges to write his own blog. Struggling to get past the introduction stage, Jack decided to bypass the introductions entirely and it worked. What's more, he's in luck. He doesn't need to introduce himself here because I've just done it for him. Determination, it would seem, pays off. Jack, welcome to Arthur's Heroes. Since you have escaped the actual introduction part, tell us why you find them so challenging. I guess I just find them so challenging because I feel like I waffle a lot um, trying to introduce myself, especially in a writing format. So clearly you're very determined to persevere. I think that's something that we all need in spades when we're trying to get a diagnosis. Is that a quality that you kind of knew that you had at that point or is it something that you've developed along your your journey? I I think it's something I've developed along the journey through it all because you know definitely when I was at my worst and just like struggling without a diagnosis bearing in mind having all the symptoms you get very low and it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel all the time but as time's gone on as everything's happened I think I've just developed it and had to be a lot more determined determined to be okay with the fact that I'm not trampolining anymore (laughs) determined to get through university determined to get my medication back after the drug trial ended prematurely so that's what I I want to talk to you about first um I've never met anyone who's done a drug trial before what made you decide to go for it because that's quite a a brave decision to make to to go on a drug trial I wasn't getting 
a proper diagnosis because I was non-radiographic and closing spondylitis so any doctors I went to I wasn't able to get like effective medication all I had was anti-inflammatory tablets that weren't working and it was just a this downward spiral of losing my mobility and being in pain all the time and behind the behind the scenes at one point my my parents and I'll, I'll I'll always be so thankful to them for this had been you know just trying to write to people saying you know our son is 19 this is what's going on and is there anything we can do and eventually something got to my uh, drug trial doctor who you know sent me a letter for for an initial appointment and I just thought it was another rheumatologist about to tell me that you know you've got all the symptoms but because it's non-radiographic we can't really diagnose you and so I, I was in the waiting room and this wonderf- wonderfully jolly looking doctor just sauntered past like when I first saw him I, I thought oh I hope I've got an appointment with him he, he seems fun and um, my mum said she looked at the board with like the names of doctors who were in and she said and that's when she told me that her and uh, my dad had been writing to people and that this was one of the people that they'd been directed to he came out and it was the guy and invited me in he looked at me less walking more limping he heard me out and he said okay so diagnosing you with non-radiographic ankylosing spondylitis and you know, let's get you on a drug trial. <laughs> I didn't need to be convinced to go on a drug trial because nothing else was working and there could be something that could help and could work. And that was all the hope I needed to be like, okay, yeah, let's do this. So it was almost like a kind of last chance opportunity to, to find something that worked for you. Yeah, yeah, that's what it felt like. So I read in your blog that... It was all going smoothly for you and then, as I'm sure has been the case for many listeners with many things, the big spectre of coronavirus raised its ugly head. Can you explain a bit for our listeners about the shadow that that cast over your drugs trial and what you've had to do since to keep things going? Covid happened at the beginning of 2020 but it didn't it didn't seem to affect the trial at all the only difference was that I had a few home visits instead of hospital visits um, and I was still getting my medication and then one day in October of 2020 you know towards towards the end of the year I just I, I was on a break from work I was working in retail at the time and I saw that I'd got a, a voice message notification so I listened to it and it was someone who I hadn't spoken to throughout my nearly four years on the trial telling me that the trial was ending and that I needed to call her back to get all the information and I probably should have left it until after I'd finished work and done it later but I, I was just in a bit of a panic like oh my gosh I need to call her back now so I called it called her back the drug trial was ending prematurely because covid etc and I wasn't going to be receiving any more medication for a while and that if I had any medication to not take it like I I didn't have any medication at the time but it was my lifeline it was so shocking and so bizarre and I had to then finish my shift and then go home and call 
family and just cried on the phone <laughs> because I didn't know what was <laughs> going on. I mean, thankfully, I had a call, I think a couple of days later, with a trial nurse who has been with me from the start. And she, I mean, she was um, raging <laughs> a little bit about how the how I'd been told because she she told me she she was off um when people were being told and she would have been able to you know give a bit more clarity to the situation something else that I thought about was that I'm not the only one getting told this that like they're doing this to so many other people and telling them not to take their medication and in a drugs trial where there's probably an ethics committee how can just ending it out of nowhere and telling people not to take their medication be ethical but my my trial nurse calmed me down and said that there was going to be like another appointment to discuss the what's next and go from there and I think that was all I needed to hear at that point. So it must have taken a huge amount of determination even just to go back in and finish your shift at that point I don't know if I would have been in the right frame of mind in that situation to do that but I think for you, the biggest challenge came a bit later, didn't it? In terms of fighting to get your medication back once you had been told you couldn't have it. What what kind of motivated you to really fight that battle and not take no for an answer? Part of it was the almost unofficial promise that had been made that following the end of the trial, I wasn't just going to be left in the lurch, that I would still be able to receive my medication. And I know the circumstances had changed, but I wanted them to hold up that end of the bargain almost like I know I know I'm I know I was really lucky enough to receive the medication for as long as I did but I couldn't have it just taken away from me for good it worked it was the only thing that had ever worked before it I was barely mobile I was limping I was in so much pain all the time and you know that's not a place I I wanted to go back to it was almost uh, a bit of fear that drove it as well just fear of having to do that but you know a promise had almost promise had been made and I was determined you know for them to keep that promise I know it sounds like I'm really relying on this medication and I guess in a way I, I do really rely on it but I want to be able to keep going. So clearly you've had to persevere quite hard to get your medication back Jack what did that actually involve? So after my conversation with my trial nurse saying that there would be another appointment, I just had to wait a a certain amount of time for that to happen. But when it did, I thought I was going for an appointment where they would say, we told you you you'd be able to have your medication back. Here it is. Uh, But that was a bit too optimistic there. I, I I had an appointment with another doctor who I'd seen a couple of times over the course of the drug trial when my regular doctor wasn't around he's a very very clever person I wouldn't describe him as much of a people person and I think that's where we but we used to butt heads sometimes but you know I mentioned to him like oh at the beginning of the trial it was mentioned that I wouldn't just be left in the lurch with this and he said oh well there's there's other there's other options available plenty of people are on them it, like it's just as good as what you're on on the trial and you know I, I I tried to come up with a response and just burst into tears and which he wasn't really expecting rolled back in his chair reached up to a paper towel dispenser rolled awkwardly forward to me and awkwardly handed me the paper towel 
in that appointment I had to really say to him like look I want to push for the compassionate use it works it works for me and I, I I hope other people that you know had to go through a similar situation have also got it backfire compassionate use but compassionate use is what it sounds like it it works so it would only be compassionate to keep myself and other trial um patients on what works for us because we don't know how we'll respond to anything else i didn't want to have to go through a rigmarole of oh is this going to work is this not going to work when what i was on and what did work was like within reach i wrote a letter to my main trial doctor detailing how i was feeling about everything and what the drug had done for me and what was happening in my head um now that it was getting taken away from me and just said you know if if this letter will help and it can be passed on to someone please do and I, I went back to the whole like you've got ethics committees how did this decision come about ethically so it sounds like once again determination has paid off in your favor yeah i mean it sounds like having that opportunity has opened the door to quite a few more things for you i mean you've talked about going to university obviously working in retail which probably is something that a lot of us who don't like to stand up for too long might shy away from but it seems like you really were determined not to take no for an answer i know from looking through your other blogs that that's not just something that you kind of feel or not just something that you do in sort of a hospital related medical related sense i know that when you were writing your blog i think you said that you tried to start one four or five times and not not quite succeeded but you've been determined to to keep going so what was it about writing a blog that was so important to you that meant that you didn't give up when you you couldn't do it sort of the first four times you tried the drug trial opened me up to a lot of things so having that medication yeah allowed me those things and you know got through uni was able to work following uni so it allowed me so much it's a new lease of life almost really yeah I was determined to keep grabbing opportunities I guess with the with the blogging and I have always enjoyed writing and it's quite it's cathartic the right word uh, gets it like relaxing and it's a way to clear my head I've used the blog and I also write poetry as well I know I don't post as regularly as on no introductions needed as I probably should but um this time I think starting the blog it wasn't just a for me thing the first one is the full story and everything from 19 to up until that point where I posted the blog and I think I wanted to share my story for people going through similar things at really young ages because I, I'd, I'd gone up until 19 being you know just this random guy doing his doing school and his sport his, his trampolining and theatre and and quite physically you know capable and fit and then all of a sudden it it disappeared and it was terrifying and I I think the the reason why I wanted to at least get that first blog post out was that I wanted to be able to show other people who are going through the same thing that they're not alone that 
there are support groups like Arthur's Place for them to turn to and ask questions and everything because one of the scariest things about when it when it started for me was that I did feel so alone in it I I hadn't really read much or seen much about ankylosing spondylitis it was isolating enough as it was not really being able to get out much and then not really being able to have anything or anyone to relate to about it I, I guess I just wanted to at least get that first one out and hope that it you know helped at least someone who may be going through something similar that's an amazing thing to do for the wider community when you've kind of had your diagnosis and you're completely confused about what's now going on in your life that's probably a fantastic tool I know something that I would have liked to come across at the time and a similar motivation probably to people sharing things on on Arthur's place I'm going to come back to competitive trampolining which you mentioned that you used to do at school you were very active as somebody who's so determined to keep going with things what was it about that that made you give it up and how did that impact your determination to not give up anything else it was a case of having to give it up really one of the areas that's you know most affected is my Achilles tendons that was the first symptom I was told that you know I had to keep away from high impact stuff the medication does work wonders but maybe a bit stupidly tried to get on a trampoline again it's just days of pain and a bit of a limp it's not something I can really do and go back to but I do miss trampolining and you know it's it's okay to miss I guess the old me or stuff like that it's okay to mourn it a little bit but I always say that I had a really good run with trampolining. I started at age six and Gosh. I loved I, I just loved it and I remember that love for it and I remember that feeling it gave me all throughout my time doing it. I loved all the competitions. I was able to coach for a while as well, so I was able to share that, you know, enthusiasm with, with people and I was able to judge a few competitions as well. So it, it gave it gave me a lot and I'm I'm thankful for the time I had with it. It's just unfortunately something I can't do anymore. And I decided that if I couldn't do it even for fun or competitively, I I didn't really want to teach it either, just because it would be a bit hard to see it. I don't know whether that's a bit selfish of me. It just feels like if I have to watch it and be around it a lot without actually being able to partake then it's it would just be too difficult being in a situation where I've had to give that up you're right has made me not want to give up on other stuff I think yeah it has made me more determined so work-wise for example I left a job during COVID-19 because I wasn't really happy in the work environment I was in it wasn't great for my mental health so I I made the decision to leave but you know I was in in Leeds on Universal Credit I knew I needed a job so I just I went round Leeds I was applying for things online but I did I went round Leeds City Centre with CVs just going hi um do you take CVs that's how I got my retail job like they, they gave me the application form and I went away to one of my um favourite coffee spots and just filled it out slid my CV inside went back went to the same person that gave me the form and she was like oh you're back and I was like yep um, here you go and then I got the 
Colin got that job and you know I was a bit worried about starting because I was going to be on my feet a lot and even with the drug trial I, I don't I hadn't really been in a position where I was working and on my feet all the time so that was a, a bit of a worry but I wanted to as I say keep going and get on with it and it it turned out to actually be quite beneficial for me I actually felt great in that in that kind of job so your determination's really paid off in in that respect do you think that people living with chronic illnesses are more determined to not stay in jobs for example that they don't like because they're more aware perhaps of the fact that life can just change in an instant and is too short to waste or do you think that's just a particular aspect of your personality maybe it's like you say life's a bit too short and things can change in an instant and I think we're 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 quite aware of what works and what doesn't work for us not just in a physical sense but also a a mental health sense so that could very that could very well be the case and I think once you've, you know, you've been in your situation where something like that has been taken away from you and then almost given back unexpectedly, maybe you kind of realise how precious it is in a way that you might not have done otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Since getting it back, I've said I don't ever want to inadvertently take having this medication for granted. I, I know the value of it and I I want to respect the fact that I've got it and it's been given to me and I want to you know make make the most of having it um I mean we've talked a lot about determination and making the most of life and finding things that make you happy or at least things that don't actively make you not happy do you think that for you this diagnosis has in a way provided an opportunity for you to really champion a cause as part of your kind of being determined to not let this stop you doing anything. Does that translate into a desire to let other people know about what you're going through? Oh yeah, absolutely. Raising awareness is something that is important to me. It's something I feel quite strongly about. I do want to write more to do what I can to raise awareness how however I can because it comes back to thinking about that lonely 19 18 19 year old who's in so much pain and doesn't know what's going on and so scared and I don't want other people to feel like that any anyone going through something similar needs to know that they're not alone in it and it's about letting people that maybe aren't so educated on arthritis and chronic illness know that these younger people these younger people aren't just being lazy and they didn't do it to themselves most people's perceptions of young people is that we're these lively energetic well and healthy people but that's not always the case and you know I think sometimes people with chronic illnesses can get ignorant responses from people when they say like oh I'm tired or I'm having a bad day because people look at them and they see their age and no- and nothing else. Yeah, I think that's that's an experience we can probably all relate to. Did you find that your friends were supportive of you and kind of willing to find out more about your condition? Um, or were they equally surprised that 
this was something that a young person could have happened to them. They were surprised that it had come about just because I went from a a high point to a low point and that's not something they'd really seen or experienced themselves in any in anyone their age but equally they wanted to understand because they're they're my friends and they they want to you know make sure I'm okay and do you think that there's some there's more expectation perhaps on men in particular to come across as strong and healthy and and young compared to women I think there is I I I always say I'm not the um, best authority figure on masculinity because it's not something I've ever really um, got caught up in my own head about but I I think there is this expectation of men or men expect themselves to you know bottle things up and be like strong and not and not show emotion or feeling and that's you know that's something I feel quite quite passionate about as a guy it is it's it's fine to show emotion because you you're human what I'd like to say to maybe guys who are struggling to express how they're feeling and they're struggling with their mental health is that don't think about yourself as a guy don't think about it as masculinity think about yourself as a person like you're only human you're allowed to feel and go through things just the same as anyone else I think that's really excellent advice. So we've talked just just now about men being equally allowed to kind of experience emotion and not to bring the dampener of the Euros back to anybody at this point. But I think I was really struck when I watched it how none of the those three players who missed their penalties hid their emotion and they all just you know some of them cried on the pitch they all just got on with it and it was very real in that sense do you think that watching stuff like that I think 31 million people watch that on television do you think that that sort of thing by that sort of high profile public figure can help to almost open up talking points for people maybe with chronic illnesses or people with things that are really hard to admit that they're struggling I think so again it it comes back to that expectation that oh don't cry don't show emotion and I think in sport I think there's there can be a lot especially a sport like football there can be a pressure on men to, the male players to you know be manly um but show showing that on te- on television for what did you say 31 million 31 million I think it's so human it's so real and it's so natural and that's and natural is what be being able to talk about your feelings and how you're doing and asking for help should be it should just it it should come naturally and you know I I hope that the players showing their emotions on the pitch like that can open up conversation I'm really glad you didn't say what your is so that would have been very awkward we've touched obviously on emotion you've mentioned feeling quite alone at times what has Arthur's Place brought to you in that space with Arthur's Place it's felt like a real community everyone is so involved and so supportive of each other in the Facebook group if someone asks a question someone answers I know I've asked a question a couple of questions and had answers and you know we can all relate to one another and 
things like the book club as well I, I went to I've been to the last couple of those it's a nice feeling being able to you know interact with and socialize with people that understand you and understand each other it's it really it really does feel like a, a community so thank you so much jack for coming on arthur's heroes today and sharing your story with us i think it's been really illuminating particularly to hear from somebody who's kind of got back their lease of life and is really determined to keep going with that i think it's a really inspirational story you can find jack's blog um no introductions needed and you can also find his Arthur's Place blog on the Arthur's Place website. Um, where do people go if they want to find your blog, Jack? You can find the No Introductions Needed uh, link in my Instagram bio, which is at Jack Posnet. Uh, Posnet is P-O-S-N-E-T-T. I also write a bit of poetry on the side and a friend of mine has just published me in his online magazine. Um, you can find that via another instagram account called uh, jack chats but everything is linked to everything else brilliant thank you and your arthur's place blog is in the usual place with the blogs on the arthur's place website yes thank you so much and have a nice evening thank you and you thank you for having me for listening to Arthur's Heroes. For more podcasts, information and access to loads of great content for young adults with arthritis, please visit arthursplace.co.uk. You can also find other young adults to chat to in the Arthur's Place social Facebook group. Follow Arthur's Place on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and find out more about Codeword Pineapple, the pin badge for people with an invisible disability at codewordpineapple.org.uk. Thank you to Novartis UK for their support in the production of this podcast.